God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As the circumstances of the world become more extreme and confusing, we must tune our ears to the voice of our Heavenly Father. His revelation is essential to navigate the road ahead. Welcome to Current Affairs with Sam Soul. Now, in discussing the name of the beast, once again, I want to point out that we have been told all sorts of nonsense about uh, the name of the beast. I mean, how many times have you heard people? I remember when I was young. Um, people were wondering if, uh, at the time, the Secretary of State's name was Henry Kissinger, and he was um, he was very famous. Uh, um, and the whispers in the evangelical circles were whether or not Henry Kissinger was the um, was the name of this antichrist person. Uh, before that, I, I actually heard uh, someone asked, someone suggested, and these are how things get started in church circles, because you have children leading children, the blind leading the blind. When John Kennedy had been shot in the head in Dallas, um, conspiracy theories of that time said uh, he really wasn't dead, that his wife subsequently, uh, who subsequently married Onassis, uh, Aristotle Onassis had taken him to one of the Greek islands and he was seen, you know, uh, recovering because it was sure that uh, John Kennedy was the, the beast who had been wounded. I, can you, the degree of foolish things that church people have believed, and you know they're routinely shown to be uh, elegantly stupid, and yet they keep coming up with more. You know, QAnon is ga is gaining traction in the mindsets of evangelicals. It's impossible for me to even contemplate how simple, how simplistic, how simple-minded people are or can be, and how their information is foundationally corrupt, compromised. To think that they're actually um, business owners, and I've even heard of a few lawyers some doctors, professional people, believing this QAnon, uh, I think the word that comes to my mind is imbecile, unsound people. You know why I'm speaking so harshly to these things? 
It's because this is the culture that takes the place of the truth amongst the people of God. When you've got so-called prophets who secretly ask you, have you heard about, you know, so and so, do you think, do you think um, uh, somebody prominent today, do you think they're the Antichrist? I want to say, hang it up, give it a break. You're operating off of a false foundation, it's unrelated to scripture, it's mythology that ignorant preachers have put out for, and, and their crop or their kind keeps coming back and coming back and coming back, generation after generation after generation. You'd think at some point people would say, this is a dead horse. Our view of these things is wrong. Now what is the truth? You'd think people would come to that. But the scriptures do say people perish because they don't love the truth. I know this one woman who's just like that. Um, in fact, she may have been one of the ones years back who asked me if I thought Henry Kissinger was, uh, was the Antichrist. But I mean, this woman runs to every conference. She at one time she owned and operated a bookstore, so she read every everything that uh, was put out. And the latest thing was the thing. You know, we've we've heard of blood moons and the mark of the beast and all these things, and just. 100% speculative, but nobody ever holds anybody to account. I mean, a John Hagee can put out his tome on blood moons and just keep going after all of that just proven to be just a bunch of hogwash. I'm being very direct and confrontational, even combative. Because this is, the, this is the jungle, this is the tangled uh, jungle that you have to cut through just to teach people what's true. Now, you know, fortunately God has His people and He knows who are listening to Him and who want to hear the truth and He, he appeals to them. The rest are just pleasing themselves and they'll fall away. A few, a few will actually wake up. But by and large, you know what a great falling away means? A great falling away, not a small falling away. <clears throat> you know what it means when the Scriptures say, um, because lawlessness will abound, the love of most will become cold. You know what most means? Most, most, most of the people in church are going to fall away. Do I take any pleasure in that? No. That's a tragedy of massive proportions. But God already knew it and He already told us so. So we shouldn't be surprised when we see it happen. I'm not here to convince everybody. 
of what, that what I'm saying is true. Because I know that most churchgoers do not have eyes to see and they do not have ears to hear. But they're proud of what they do see and what they do hear, though it's as though they are as blind and uninformed as you can get. Most of the people who wanted churches to reopen so they could go back, just want to go back to this condition. All right, now enough of that. Let me, <laughs> let me tell you about the name of the beast. So let's set it back in context where we were. Uh, verse 16 of Revelation 13 says, He causes all, that is the lawless one, causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell who has not who has, except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of the name. So you see, it's connected to buying and selling, which has to do not so much with identity, but it has to do with survival. Survival. And it's how people are controlled and herded up into this whole concept of uh, agreeing with and being part of the mindset associated with the beast. So we've already talked about the mark. Now, and just to refresh your memory, the mark is the karagma, the stamping the, the reflection of the character of Satan in the lives of people who trust him. You will remember, Satan tried to imprint Adam and Eve in that very manner when he came into the garden. And his approach to them was on the basis of something to eat, typically buying and selling comes down to something to eat how you can have provision for your needs. So he attacks on the basis of, he tries to, to change your mindset on the basis of something to eat. The obvious example of that is Jesus in the wilderness after he had fasted for 40 days. Satan comes and what does he say? Get yourself something to eat command that these stones be made bread. So it's common for Satan to try to herd people into a particular mindset to imprint them with the fear of not having enough so that they will take his mindset as replacement of their own mindsets or even the mind of God. So no one may buy or sell, 
Now again, it talks about their right hand or their foreheads. Uh, a slave was branded on the forehead so that the world may see that he was the property of someone else. It was virtually impossible in the ancient world for a slave to erase a brand on their forehead. The concept is what we're after here and what the scriptures are establishing. So we've talked about not being able to buy or sell unless you have the mark, which is the karagma or the, the imprint, or the name of the beast. So when we left you the last time, we asked the question, what is the name of the beast? And I asked it the way that I know you would ask it because we've been cultured to think of the name of the beast as some name, you know, name like Beelzebub or, or some evil sounding name. You're to have the mark or the name of the beast on your forehead. It is about what you are under what you're under. The word name is the Greek word onoma, O-N-O-M-A, onoma. It has multiple different meanings. One is, in general, the name that a person is called by. So John, Tom, in my case, Sam. It may also be your surname. So I'm Sam Solon. In, uh, in Northern Europe, um, in, among the Danes, a common name is Johnson, which is Johansson, son of Johann, son of John. Uh, among the Jews, was Judah ben Hur, Judah son, ben meaning the word son, uh, like the word Benjamin is son of, Benamin, son of the right hand. So a surname is an indication of who is your father. So whether it's your proper name or a surname, indicates who is your father. So having the name of the Father written on our foreheads tell us we belong to Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Um, you may consider such scriptures as Ephesians 1.21, Hebrews 1.4, Mark 3.16 and 17, Luke 1 verse 5. These are just some of the ways that the term name is used. In general, an identifying mark that relates to your ancestry, your own name and the family name from which you've come. But a second and more, um, more pervasive uh, usage of the word name 
would be something like if the police officer knocks on a door and shouts, open in the name of the law, then they're representing that they have come by the authority of the law. Now, there it's not a name, but it's a recognizable uh, uh, greeting, as it might be called greeting, that there is an authority that governs you. Um, Here in America, having jury duty, meaning needing to show up to the courthouse to be selected as a juror in a case, interrupting your life, by the way, and and putting all your plans on hold, uh, you will typically get a message, a preformed, pre-written message uh, from the state that says something like, greetings, you're hereby informed that you are to report at the courthouse in such and such a date, at such and such a location for selection as a juror for jury duty. So you're being apprised that there's an authority called the state that has the right to tell you to show up and interrupt your plans. So a second use of the term onoma is all that a name implies, such as authority, character, rank, majesty, power, excellence, or everything that the name covers. For example, the name of God and the names of God cover a variety of things about God. So for example, Elohim is one of the names of God, but it's not a proper name, it refers to the juridical functions associated with God as judge, or El Shaddai references the name of God as it relates to a function the one who takes care of you. Um, In the name of, when Jesus used the word in the name of, he was specifically authorizing that the authority represented by his name would be the basis for your commissioning. So he sent his disciples and he said, Whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name shall be granted to you. Now the presumption is you're asking according to the will of God, which has to say the power of God exists to support the imperatives of God. Jesus sent out His disciples in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 and said, to them, and that repentance and remission of sins, I'm sorry, it's Luke 24, 47, and that repentance and remission of sins 
should be preached in his name among all the nations. So the concept of name, the name of, may refer to a private personal designation, but it only does so when it's referring to your genealogical and ancestral references. So that wouldn't apply to the name of the beast because there are no genealogical or ancestral references implied here. To remind you again, like his name shall be called John or Johann uh, or Judah Ben-Hur. It's saying, this is Judah, the son of Hur. H-U-R. Or as I mentioned in Northern Europe with names like Johansson or um, Friedrichson, you know, son of Fred, son of John. Those are genealogical references that commonly tie a person to his fathers, his or her fathers. That's not the case here. It is the because who then would be uh, the father of the beast? It'd have to be like kind, wouldn't it? Flesh begets flesh, spirits begets spirit. Uh, a father begets a son of like kind and nature. But where it concerns the beast, that is the offspring of Satan. It has to do with the name, the power associated with the name and that is the power to buy or sell because this is about uh, controlling the population by controlling the things that are important for basic survival. you cannot buy or sell, I mean that's the obvious context, isn't it? Except if you have the mark of the beast, in other words you have his character, so you're not a disruptor in his system, you are compliant, even complicit. Or the name of the beast, here the name of the beast is a reference to the power of the beast, and, and again, just to remind you, there the term name implies the authority of the beast. It implies the rank, power, or majesty of the beast, the hegemony of the beast, the sphere of its dominance and control. So you must have in your mindset an acknowledgement of the power of the beast of this global system over your life if you are a dweller on the earth. I keep reminding you, none of this applies, none of this applies to those who dwell in heaven. Why? Because they have a different mindset, they have a different name that they go under. They have a different identity, 
They're sustained by the name of the Lord, which again is not just saying Jesus, Jesus, Jesus in Pentecostal style. It's talking about knowing what, what Paul described in his letter to the, the Ephesians. I'm writing to you that you might understand what is, among other things, the working of His mighty power on behalf of those who believe, example of which is the power He exerted when He raised Jesus from the dead and seated Him at His right hand far above all rule and authority and every title that may be given, not only in the present age but in the one to come. So whenever authority is referenced to name, it is about what kingdom you belong to, who is the king, what sustains you. Again, just to remind you of that particular passage, I believe it's first, uh, first chapter of the book of Ephesians, about verse 17 or so, and the working of His mighty power. He had said three things. I want to write to you that you may have the spirit of wisdom and revelation concerning what is the hope of His calling. In other words, He has called you to what hope? Or what did He hope for when He called you? To uh, what is the hope of His calling? What is His glorious inheritance in the saints? What is His plan that's being worked out in in and through your life? What plan that He has that He wishes to work out using you? And the third thing is, what is the working of His mighty power on behalf of those who believe, and then he says, for the working of His mighty power is what He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him far above all rule and authority and every title that may be given not only in the present age but in the age to come. That scripture, by the way, it opens out into Ephesians 6, which is the armor of God taking your stand against the devil's schemes. So it opens out in full anticipation of a mindset that's based in the authority that opposes the sons of God, and that being the name of the beast. So the name of God, the name of of the Father, written on our foreheads, is a mindset that overthrows the name of the beast that's written on their forehead as well. It's both about power over domains. It has nothing to do with proper names. It's not like um, Hyreon, which is the term beast, bar satan. You know, the beast, son of Satan. It's not, it's not that. And yet people are still running around wondering whose name uh, is implied. Again, the folly of children who refuse to grow up and who settle for silly things that they can speculate endlessly about without ever being able to come to any conclusion because there is no viable conclusion. Well, that leaves us with 
the number of his name. So it's the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And that's num that number is rendered 666. Obviously, it's not about deciphering a name associated with the number. It's what the number means. And the clue is, it's the number of a man. And we'll have that the next time. I look forward to our continuing study. Blessings. Bye-bye.